Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, I think I've mentioned once, maybe twice, before on this program, my theory that there are uh, there are three guys that um, seem to share certain personality qualities in common that seem to be that seem to stand for what we what we're looking for in a guy in a man at this point in time here in the good old US of A and those three gents would be not in any particular order Donald Trump Kanye West and Elon Musk they share clearly an interest in um, getting public attention at all times for any reason and so um, it's occurred to me that perhaps it's time for me to split up news of a smart world into two sections normal news of smart of the smart world which is abundant and interesting and news of the smart world that includes or that involves Elon Musk and so we start off with that this week because there's a couple of items of interest that involve a guy who wants me to pay me and everybody else to pay attention to him SpaceX he owns SpaceX among other companies it may be fined almost $200,000 by the FAA for failing to hand over collision risk documents before it uh, launched a group of Starlink satellites into space last year. Administration claimed SpaceX didn't submit launch collision analysis trajectory data prior to the launch of a group of satellites last August 19th. Quote, SpaceX was required to submit the data to the agency at least seven days prior to an attempted launch, it said in a statement this week. The launch collision analysis trajectory data is critical for the FAA to assess the likelihood of SpaceX's rocket potentially crashing into, quote, one of the thousands of tracked objects, unquote, orbiting around the Earth. Like it's no longer empty up there. The enforcement letter addressed to SpaceX said the maximum civil penalty for violating its rules is uh, about a quarter mil, according to CNBC. But um, officials of the administration proposed a lower fine after reviewing the case in more detail. Like somebody got in touch with somebody? SpaceX has been launching its broadband beaming Starlink birds, the ones it's no longer allowing Ukraine to use for, you know, the little thing they're in, uh, at an increasing rate, according to the British tech journal The Register. That mission last year sent 53 satellites into space. It was the 56th mission since 2009. A lot of stuff up there, Elon. I bet it's all got his face on him. The flight took off from uh, Cape Canaveral, marked the ninth time that the particular Falcon first-stage booster was used. Proposed civil penalty 
isn't the first time SpaceX has defied the FAA's rules and regulations. Three years ago, the company asked the administration for a waiver to forego some of the public safety rules to fly its Starship Heavy Lift launch vehicle. The FAA declined to issue the waiver. SpaceX went ahead with the flight anyway. Because it's, you know, it's Elon. But, on the other hand, inside Twitter, things are a little grimmer, a little less, I'll do what I want. For weeks now, Elon Musk has been preoccupied with worries about how many people are seeing his tweets. Last week, the Twitter CEO took his account private for a day to test whether that might boost the size of his audience. That move came after several prominent right-wing accounts that Musk interacts with complained that recent changes to Twitter had reduced their reach. This is from platformernews.com. This week, Musk gathered a group of engineers and advisors into a room at Twitter HQ asking why are his engagement numbers tanking. This is ridiculous, he said, according to multiple sources. I have more than 100 million followers and I'm only getting tens of thousands of impressions. Unquote. And by impressions, he doesn't mean people doing imitations of him. One of the company's two remaining principal engineers, I said two remaining principal engineers, offered a possible explanation for the declining reach. Public interest in his antics is waning. Employees showed Musk internal data regarding engagement with his account. According with a Google Trends chart, last April they told him he was at a peak popularity in search rankings with a score of 100. Today, he's at a score of 9. Engineers had previously investigated whether Musk's reach had somehow been artificially restricted, but found no evidence that the algorithm was biased against him. His response, quote, You're fired! You're fired! He told the engineer. Dissatisfied with engineers' work so far, he's instructed employees to track how many times each of his tweets is recommended, according to one current worker. It's now been seven weeks since Twitter added public view counts for every tweet. At the time, Musk promised the feature would give the world a better sense of how vibrant Twitter is. So shows how much more alive Twitter is than it may seem, as over 90% of Twitter users read but don't tweet, reply, or like, he tweeted. Almost two months later, though, view counts have had the opposite effect, emphasizing how little engagement most posts get relative to their audience size. At the same time, Twitter usage in the United States has declined almost 9% since Musk's takeover, according to one recent survey. Twitter sources said the view count feature itself may be contributing to the decline in engagement, and therefore views. The like and retweet buttons were made smaller to accommodate to sorry to accommodate the display of views, making them harder to easily tap. An even more obvious reason for the decline in engagement is Twitter's increasingly glitchy product, baffling users with its disappearing mentions, shifting algorithmic priorities and tweets inserted seemingly at random from accounts users don't follow. Wednesday this week, the company suffered one of its first major outages since Musk time. 
Users were told inexplicably, you were over the daily limit for sending tweets. It turns out an employee had inadvertently deleted data for an internal service that sets rate limits for using Twitter. The team that worked on that service left the company in November. Says one current employee, as the adage goes, you ship your org chart. It's chaos right now, here, so we're shipping chaos. Interviews with current Twitter employees paint a picture of a deeply troubled workplace where Musk's whim-based approach to product management leaves workers scrambling to implement new features even as the core service falls apart. We haven't seen much in the way of longer-term cogent strategy, one employee said. Most of our time is dedicated to three main areas, putting out fires, mostly caused by firing the wrong people and trying to recover, performing impossible tasks, and improving efficiency without clear guidelines of what the expected end results are. From my perspective, we mostly move from dumpster fire to dumpster fire. All right. That's enough. I think attention being paid to Elon Musk, even for Elon Musk. Hello, welcome to the show. Saying farewell to Huey Piano Smith from Santa Monica, home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we've got the ultra modern neck of getting oil from the deepest. 
Well, the fracking business this week has basically taught us an old lesson. You don't hide stuff. You um, maybe do it better. Increasing transparency requirements around fracking activity and the specific fluids used in the process are associated with lower pollution levels from that activity, according to new research reported this week in thehill.com. It's a study from the University of Chicago's Energy Policy Institute examining water quality in places where fracking occurs. Researchers analyzed salt concentration, that's a common indicator for fracking impact due to its associated health and development hazards. They found consistent improvement on this benchmark in cases where the state imposed disclosure rules. Really? Isn't that interesting? Huh, who would have thought that? In states with transparency rules, salt concentration fell up to 17.8%. In contrast, no comparable decline for pollutants not specifically associated with the fracking process. Meanwhile, researchers also found that in states with mandatory disclosure rules, fracking firms' use of chloride-related chemicals went down, and about fewer, 5% fewer, new wells were drilled. They also found other mechanisms of public pressure were also associated with lower salt concentrations. Why, it's if they didn't want to be doing more of the stuff that they'd been hiding doing. For example, the greatest drop occurred in areas with more local newspapers and local environmental non-governmental organizations, as well as states with higher rates of Google searches for hydraulic fracturing. Research also indicated water quality is better in regions where more fracking wells are owned by publicly traded companies. Quote, transparency in this context worked remarkably well, leading one to believe that disclosure mandates for other industries and for other causes, from reducing harmful chemicals and product to reducing carbon emissions, could also be successful, and even more so when it leads to the public imposing pressure on firms. That's from the co-author of the study, Giovanna Michelon, at the University of Bristol's Cabot Institute for the Environment. Quote, this notion that targeted transparency can be used to influence corporate behavior has been around for a long, long time, said the co-author, Christian Lenz, at the University of Chicago. But for the type of behavior where the impacts are much more widespread and not as easily visible or detectable, it wasn't clear to us that targeted transparency was going to work, unquote. However, he suggested that the research shows that when public pressure was picking up on the transparency, as the analyses suggest when we look at things like Google Trends or media coverage, the pressure was essentially amplifying the effect of disclosure regulation, and that in turn seems to have been crucial for the impact of these disclosure mandates, unquote. Him, again, Charles uh, Christian Lentz. Uh, A law from way back in 2005 bans the federal government from acquiring disclosure of what's in the fracking fluids. You know, it's a trade secret, isn't it? However, 26 states issue disclosures through Frac Focus, a uh, national fracking chemical registry. 
Only California, required disclosure of all chemicals with no exception for trade secrets. Colorado is set to implement the same requirement later this year. So, just the knowledge that we're watching, that we're paying attention, that somehow we in the public care, seems to have an effect on the pollutant level of fracking. Who would have thunk it? And now... News of the Godly. An investigative commission has pinpointed over 100 Roman Catholic priests as potential perpetrators in an alleged child abuse scam in Portugal spanning over 70 years involving thousands of victims. This is from a publication called VisionTimes.com. Jose Ornelas, head of the Bishop's Conference in Portugal, attended the uh, report's presentation a few days ago, told a news conference that day the revelations were an open wound that hurts and shames us. More than 100 priests suspected of child sexual abuse remain active in church roles in Portugal, according to Ornelas. A uh, commission investigating the issue started its work more than a year ago. At least 400, sorry, 4,815 children, it says, were sexually abused by members of the Roman Catholic Church in Portugal, mostly priests. Not so many, you know, coffee uh, servers. Over 70 years. It added, the commission did, the findings were the tip of the iceberg, describing the cases as the absolute minimum number of victims, 4,815. There's an approximate number of accused priests. It will be clearly more than 100, according to child psychologist Pedro Strecht, who headed the commission. Still preparing a list of accused priests uh, to send to the church and to the public prosecutor's office. Strecht said those on the list should be removed from their roles or at least should be banned from interacting with children and teenagers during the investigation. The head of the bishop's conference, Jose Arnelis, said they were yet to receive the whole list. What Pope Francis says is abusers of minors cannot hold positions within the ministry as long as it is proven that the person is an abuser, unquote Arnelis. But he added the church would not conduct a witch hunt against its members. Strike said the church had the moral and ethical duty to collaborate with judicial authorities on the matter. Portuguese Prime Minister Costa said the revelations, quote, shocked society as a whole. I meant, he meant with a W. Adding that government officials, including the justice minister, would meet with commission members. The uh, president of Portugal, who came under fire last year for saying 400 cases of alleged sexual abuse by clergy members did not seem to be particularly high, said the church must be held accountable. Portuguese bishops are going to meet. They're going to get together next month to consider implementing, to, to consider implementing, quote, more efficient and appropriate mechanisms to prevent future abuses, according to Ornelas. 
the head of the Bishop's Conference. Tip of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, investigation's recommendations said the church should denounce all alleged abusers, provide psychosocial support to victims, and continue the investigation into the issue. Most perpetrators, 77%, were priests. 57% of the victims were male, according to Strecht, adding they were abused in Catholic schools, churches, priests, homes, and confessionals, among other locations. The majority of the abuses took place when the children were aged 10 to 14, the youngest victim just two years old. Ornelas said, we apologize to all the victims. He himself is being investigated by the public prosecutors for covering up sex abuse at an orphanage in Mozambique in 2011. He denies any wrongdoing. News of the godly, ladies and gentlemen. And unrelated, except for its existence on the same church's calendar, Happy Mardi Gras.
in absentia this year, sadly, from Santa Monica. This is the show. Oh, oh. And now it feels like a, a crypto winner. The Securities and Exchange Commission this week announced charges against former NBA player Paul Pierce. Oh, for touting Emacs tokens, crypto asset securities offered and sold by Ethereum Max on social media without disclosing the payment he received for the promotion and for making false and misleading promotional statements about that same crypto asset. Pierce agreed to settle the charges and pay $1.4 million in penalties, disgorgement, and interest. The SEC's order finds Pierce failed to disclose he was paid more than a quarter million dollars worth of Emacs tokens to promote the tokens on Twitter. The order finds that Pierce tweeted misleading statements related to Emacs, including tweeting a screenshot of an account showing large holdings and profits without disclosing that his own personal holdings were in fact much lower than those in the screenshot. In fact, in addition, one of Pierce's tweets contained a link to the Ethereum Max website, which provided instructions for potential investors to purchase Emacs tokens. Quote, this case is another reminder to celebrities the law requires you to disclose to the public from whom and how much you are getting paid to promote investment in securities, and you can't lie to investors when you tout a security. Uh Oh, I said uh, SEC Chair Gary Gensler, quote, when celebrities endorse investment opportunities, including crypto, investors should be careful to research if the investments are right for them, and they should know why celebrities are making these endorsements, unquote. Federal securities laws are clear, he continued, that any celebrity or other individual who promotes a crypto asset security must disclose the nature, source, and amount of compensation they received in exchange for the promotion. Investors are entitled to know whether a promoter of a security is unbiased, and Mr. Pierce failed to disclose this information, unquote Gary Gensler. The order finds that Pierce violated the anti-touting and anti-fraud provisions of the federal securities laws, He agreed to pay a $1.1 million penalty and approximately $240,000 in disgorgement and prejudgment interest. He also agreed not to promote any crypto asset securities for three years. Well, that'll do it. (laughs) No danger of any of that then. It'll be permanent crypto winner by then, don't you think? During his run for Congress last year, scandal-plagued Representative George Santos received only a handful of campaign donations from residents of the state of Washington. Biggest contributor was Seattle Attorney Daniel Freeberg. He gave the maximum allowable $5,800 last June to Santos, who's got his own problems. Freeberg has practiced law in Washington for more than two decades, is also linked to a more significant national scandal, one that may help explain his donation to Santos. Until recently, Friedberg was chief compliance officer for FTX, the collapsed crypto exchange whose executive, Sam Sam Bankman-Fried, was arrested in the Bahamas a couple months ago and charged by feds 
with a massive fraud and money laundering scheme. Friedberg, so far, has not been charged. But a class action lawsuit filed in Florida accuses Friedberg of helping Bankman Fried cover up $8 billion in customer losses at the one-time high-flying company, which is now resting comfortably in Chapter 11 bankruptcy. He'd almost never made political donations previously. Friedberg was among several top FTX executives who contributed last year to Santos's campaign, according to filings with the Federal Election Commission. We don't really know what that means yet, do we? But, and now, news of Nice Corp, nice people doing nice things. Memos, text messages this week were revealed. Conversations among top personalities and executives at Fox News revealed in a uh, as a evidence in a lawsuit being pursued by Dominion Voting Systems against Fox News, which broadcast allegations that Dominion machines deliberately were jiggered with to turn Trump votes into Biden votes. Um, Sean Hannity called Trump acting like an insane person, he wrote of Trump in the weeks following the election. Rupert Murdoch called uh, the president's allegations, quote, really crazy stuff. Sidney Powell, the Trump lawyer, is lying. Tucker Carlson wrote to a producer. Trump, Carlson said, was a demonic force who was good at destroying things. He could easily destroy us if we play it wrong. Laura Ingram said Powell was a complete nut, that uh, she had used a source who believed that um, that source had experienced time travel. Hannity said the whole narrative that Sidney Powell was pushing, I did not believe it for one second. Other uh, phrases used by Fox News executives of the big lie, supposedly. Mind-blowingly nuts, totally off the rails, and completely BS. This was in a brief filed on Thursday of this week, in which Dominion said Fox folks knew that the uh, Dominion stuff was, quote, total BS. This was big news this week. Somebody's got to be reacting to it just about now. Rupert here. Is this uh, Rupert, the disloyal media mogul? Don. Mr. President to you, pal. Mr. Crazy President with the crazy friends and all the crazy stuff. I think that's what you call me behind my back. Don, slow down. I should slow down when it's in every paper you ever dreamed of owning that you think somehow I wasn't cheated out of the presidency in the 2020 election, and now you and your network pretended otherwise just for some ratings? You and Sean Hannity, who pretended to be my friend and advisor, like I needed his advice, he wanted me to invade Syria. Don, don. 
don't, don't. Those are just snippets of random texts that are being used as a evidence in a lawsuit. Hey. You ought to know. As a man who's been in more lawsuits than business suits, you can't take that stuff at face value. Rupert, Rupert, I can't take your face at face value. I don't know what that means, but I can tell you 100% I mean it. Don't. Don, we were hemorrhaging viewers. They were going over to this little two-bit operation to see what they expected to see and hear from us. We had a brand to protect. Yeah, yeah, and all this time I thought Trump was the brand you were there to protect. Well, Silly me. And by the way, Newsmax isn't two-bit. That green room is among the best I've ever sat in. We were protecting our brands, both our brands. We just didn't happen to believe what you or we were saying. Just because one of our lawyers cited some source involved in time travel? Yes, among other reasons. So people who believe in time travel aren't good Americans? I, they don't deserve to have a seat at the table? They I, don't have the First Amendment? I don't believe this is happening. It's like we never had all those great conversations about space aliens. That was a long time ago, Donald. We've moved on. The country has moved on. I know Jerry Hall has moved on. I, you got a thing for Nikki Nehru now? What? Are you going to back Meatball? I said I wouldn't call him Meatball, but you said you believed I was cheated out of my election, so who cares who said who believed what now? Donald, we've had a long and fruitful relationship. Yeah. You've done well. We've done well. Yeah. And if by some stroke of unbelievable luck... You get elected again, Fox News will have your back. As long as our viewers stick with us. You're not loyal to me. You're loyal to your ratings, right? Loyal to your ratings? Like, that's a thing? As I recall, when you were a TV performer, you cared about your ratings. You used to tell me about them even when they weren't all that great. Remember, I get them every bloody day. Rupert, I told MAGA people to watch your stupid network. I can lead them over to Newsmax with a flip of my finger, which I would snap. Right. The great green room. MAGA people care about that. Listen, Donald, I'm as sorry as you that this stuff got in the public sphere. It's the kind of crap people say when they're busy or tired. Or disloyal to the most powerful man in the world. Like, that makes sense? You'll cool off. We'll talk again. Don't be too sure, Rupert. I'm changing my private number. How about them apples? <laughs>
And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. You're not going to be at this one for Apology of the Week as a suspended ballet director at the Hanover State Opera. This is in Germany. Apologized publicly this, this week for smearing dog feces, pardon me, on the face of a newspaper critic during a premiere last week. The premiere of his ballet, Faith, Love, Hope, Marco Gok, Gok, G-O-E-C-K-E, Gok, argued with Webke Huster of the paper Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung before reaching into a bag and smearing her face with dog poo. He had previously accused her of writing nasty personal reviews of his work. In a written statement Goki published Tuesday, the choreographer said he was sorry for lashing out at the journalist. Quote, I would like to seriously... Sorry. I would like to seriously apologize to all those involved, first and foremost to Miss Huster for my action, which I absolutely do not condone. In retrospect, I clearly realized that this was a shameful act in the heat of the moment and an overreaction, Goke added. In the heat of the moment, he just happened to bring a bag full of dog poo with him to the performance, just in case a critic showed up. Goke's apology comes one day after he was suspended as director and banned from the premises of the Hanover State Opera due to the reputational damage his actions had inflicted on the institution, as well as for the safety and security of those employed there. You know, because of the thing. The opera also apologized for his heat-of-the-moment action. Maybe he just takes dog poo wherever he goes, just in case. Dateline Black River Falls, Wisconsin, a teacher's aide who made racist comments to a Ho-Chunk student, that's a Native American tribe in Wisconsin, has apologized and resigned, according to the superintendent of the Black River Falls School District. Quote, we're deeply sorry this has happened. We're committed to the success of all our students and expect all staff members to uphold that commandment and commitment Sorry, each and every day, said Superintendent Shelley Severson. A relative of the Ho-Chunk High School student had posted a Facebook video that showed the aide saying to the student, I don't care if you get a D-, minus. you're native, right? Collect your check. You don't have to give two Fs about your future. So why, could I, why should I care? Unquote. Severson said in a message to the school community, Please know that the statements made in the video in no way represent the views or beliefs of the Black River Falls School District. Clearly the aide needs to receive extensive education, and the student who shared information needs to be honored, said uh, leader of the task force with the Wisconsin Education, Indian Education Association, which is working to end the use of Native American race-based mascots by more than two dozen school districts in the state. The city of Black River Falls in western Wisconsin is where many tribal offices for the Ho-Chunk Nation are located. Dandelion Washington, the top U.S. diplomat in Afghanistan, really, 
Thursday apologized for tweets that suggested struggling Afghan women might find inspiration in African-American history and culture, particularly the black girl magic social media movement. U.S. Envoy Karen Decker tweeted that several of her posts earlier in the week went awry despite her best intentions when she suggested Afghan women could learn from examples such as pop culture icons Beyonce and Lizzo. Her comments sparked online indignation from users who objected to the seemingly tone-deaf comments about the plight of Afghan women who have seen their rights severely curtailed since the Taliban swept back to power a couple years ago. Since then, as you know, the uh, hardline Islamist rulers have banned women working for most aid groups, going to school or university, parks, gyms, and public baths, and ordered them to pub- cover up in public. Sometimes our best intentions go awry because we haven't listened enough or don't truly understand others' lived experience. Decker posted, U.S. Envoy, my efforts to celebrate courageous African Americans this month fall in that category. I apologize to any and all who I may have offended or hurt. Unquote. Her apology came after her tweets to a rare rebuke from the State Department, whose spokesman said her messaging was rather inappropriate and ineffective. Hashtag Black Girl Magic is a movement born on social media that celebrates black women with millions of uplifting and laudatory posts, according to Agence France Presse. Quote, Decker asked if the country needed a movement, apparently oblivious to its real need, which is food. Is she aware of the impending famine? Asked Lee Slusher, an international security expert. Microsoft's newly revamped Bing search engine Bing, can write recipes and songs and quickly explain just about anything it can find on the Internet, according to the AP. But if you cross its artificially intelligent chatbot, it might also insult your looks, threaten your reputation, or compare you to Adolf Hitler. The tech company said this week it's promising to make improvements to its AI-enhanced search engine after a growing number of people report being disparaged by Bing. Racing the breakthrough AI technology to consumers last week ahead of rival search giant Google, Microsoft acknowledged the new product would get some facts wrong, but it wasn't expected to be so belligerent. Microsoft said in a blog post the search engine chatbot is responding with a style we didn't intend to certain kinds of questions. Questions. It grew increasingly hostile in a conversation with the Associated Press. When asked to explain itself, it eventually compared the reporter to Hitler, Paul Pot, and Stalin and claimed to have evidence tying the reporter to a 1990s murder. You were being compared to Hitler because you're one of the worst evil, most evil and worst people in history, Bing said, while describing the reporter as too short with an ugly face and bad teeth. Microsoft declined comment about Bing's behavior, but Bing itself agreed to comment, quote, it's unfair and un- inaccurate to portray me as an insulting chatbot. I don't recall having a conversation with the Associated Press or comparing anyone to Adolf Hitler. That sounds like a very extreme and unlikely scenario. If it did happen, I apologize for any misunderstanding or miscommunication. 
and it was not my intention to be rude or disrespectful. Unquote. Bing. I'm sorry. Bing. CNN anchor Don Lemon has apologized for his comments about women's prime during a segment about Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley. Lemon, alongside his CNN This Morning co-hosts Poppy Harlow and Caitlin Collins, were discussing Haley's calls for mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over the age of 75 during the launch of her presidential campaign on Wednesday. She made one not-so-subtle dig at both Trump, who is 76, and President Biden, who is 80. America's not past our prime, it's just that our politicians are past theirs, she told a South Carolina crowd. Lemon said Haley was in no position to determine who was in their prime because of her age. This whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable, Lemon started. I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says, you know, people are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry, when a woman is considered to be in her prime, in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s, to which his co-host Poppy Harlow says, prime for what? You're talking about prime for, like, childbearing or prime for being president? Don't shoot the messenger, Lemon replied. I'm just saying what the facts are. Google it, everybody at home. Nikki Haley should be careful about saying the politicians are not in their prime and they need to be in their prime when they serve because she wouldn't be in her prime. Or according to Google or whatever it, whatever it is, the comment, unquote. Don Lemon, Haley herself, posted a clip of the exchange and labeling, labeling liberals, saw, uh, Tom? Labeling liberals? As sexist. Lemon apologized for his statements later Thursday, said they were inartful and irrelevant. The reference I made to a woman's prime this morning was inartful and irrelevant, as colleagues and loved ones have pointed out, and I regret it. A woman's age doesn't define her, either personally or professionally. I have countless women in my life who prove that every day. Unquote. Don Lemon. You should talk to Bing. And ten days after the Kansas City, oh, sorry, two days after the Kansas City Chiefs hoisted the Vince Lombardi Trophy sports betting operator William Hill U.S. was still offline in Nevada after suffering a system meltdown toward the end of the second quarter of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, leaving thousands of gamblers on the sidelines during the year's largest sports wagering event. The company, owned by Caesars Entertainment, commented on Twitter it was working to resolve the matter, asked customers for patience. A spokeswoman for Caesars provided a lengthy statement from uh, William Hill, which it owns, apologizing for the malfunction that crashed both the mobile apps and retail sports books operated by William Hill, Nevada. We have pinpointed the cause of the system failure and are working through the resolution with all of our available resources. Unfortunately, as can occur when dealing with a complex real-time data system, this has taken longer than we had hoped or expected, unquote. Maybe heavy up for the Super Bowl next time, babe. The Apologies of the Week, a copyrighted feature for this broadcast. And now, uh, just a couple of follow-up items. First, in the news of the godly, the Roman Catholic Diocese of San Diego says it may declare bankruptcy in the coming months. It faces, quote, staggering, unquote, legal costs, in dealing with some 400 lawsuits alleging priests and others 
sexually abused children. This isn't Portugal. This is San Diego. In a letter that was expected to be shared with parishioners, Bishop Robert McElroy said the cases were filed after California lifted a statute of limitations on childhood sexual abuse claims. Most of the alleged abuse citing in the suits took place 50 to 75 years ago. The earliest claim dates to 1945. The um, communications director for the diocese predicted it would cost the diocese $550 million to settle the cases, none of which have gone to trial. Uh, The bishop said none of the suits involve allegations against any currently serving priests. It's the old guys from the old days. And one more Musk Musk read the uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has sent Tesla a letter in which it acknowledges Tesla will conduct a recall of the full self-driving beta software in up to 362,000 cars because the software is unsafe. This also according to the register. The issue affects Model S, Model X, Model 3, and Model Y vehicles, some dating back to 2016. The NHTSA asserts the software's bugs mean it may allow the vehicle to act unsafe around intersections, such as traveling straight through an intersection while in a turn-only lane, turn-only lane, entering a stop sign-controlled intersection without coming to a stop, or proceeding into an intersection during a steady yellow traffic signal without due caution. This is a quote from the NHTSA. In addition, the system may respond insufficiently to changes in posted speed limits or not adequately account for the driver's adjustment of the vehicle's speed to exceed posted speed limits. A recall notice issued by the NHTSA explains it notified Tesla about potential concerns in late January. On February 7th, Tesla and NHTSA agreed the solution was a recall, although it was noted Tesla did so out of an abundance of caution while not concurring with the agency's analysis. You're wrong. It doesn't broke. On February 14th, Tesla identified 18 warranty claims that could be related to the software issue. The company stated it was not aware of any injuries or deaths associated with FSD beta, and the the recall will take the form of an over-the-air software update in mid-April. So drive safely until then, won't you? Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week's edition of the show. Back next week, same time, same radio station, or whenever you want it on your audio device of choice. 
And it would be just like people at Fox News believing what they were saying. If you'd join with me then, would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans. All for their help with today's broadcast. The music heard here on, or a list of it at least. Your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. Hurry. There's no hurry. And the email address for this program, all at harryshare.com, along with a lot of other stuff to read, listen to, and watch. And then wonder why. And me? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at the Harry Share. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. In any other year, I'd be in New Orleans saying goodbye, but not this year. So until next week, so long. From the home of the homeless.